have you ever gone to a job interview and you didn't really um, sell yourself and you lost out? So many times when we go to that job interview, we got to tell them everything we are. And uh, I don't know if you're get embarrassed by what you've done or what you know, but if you really want that job, you'll, you'll tell them the truth and you'll be honest. Well, sometimes we do this with God. We sort of embellish the truth a little bit. And tonight I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 17, where a few people are chapter 18 and, and following as well, but chapter, uh, go to Luke 18 first. Jesus was teaching his disciples about prayer. And the first part of chapter 18, there's a lady that lost a coin and, or, I'm sorry, wrong. She was, she went before the judge and she was persistent. She kept after the judge, after the judge, after the judge, wanting, wanting justice for herself. And, and finally the judge just gave up. And I, I call that persistence in prayer. There's times in our life where we really need God to do something, and finally we get down to the point, I've got to have God move in this situation, and we pray and we pray. And, I, you know, if we would start with that attitude, I think our prayers might be answered a little quicker, but we're all, we're all there. But I want you to look at verse 9 of Luke chapter 18. It says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that were righteous and despised others. What a what an opening uh, statement for a parable. Jesus is saying, "Hey, I'm gonna. Uh, this is for those who think too much of themselves. I'm gonna tell you what you should do. All right." And he's talking about prayer. Verse ten: Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not as much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts tonight. I ask, Lord, that Lord, our desire is to know you better, to commune with you more, to have an intimate relationship with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I call this the credentials of the haughty or the proud, right? So he said, I thank God I'm not like everybody else. Have you ever done that? <laughs> oh, we do this when we're facing troubles, and sometimes it's a good reminder. Well, I thank God that I don't have their problems, you know, right? I mean, I thank God, and my parents are here tonight, I thank God I was raised in a Christian home. Not just a home that went to church, but a family that loved Jesus. And if you can testify with me about that, then, then great. Some of you have established that in your house. Your parents were unsaved. But I thank God, I don't know where I would be if I hadn't been raised 
in the church and raised to know Jesus and raised in a family that loved God more than they loved themselves. But here we see this uh, lofty person say, I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector over there. I'm, I'm glad I'm not like Joe Tedder. Or, <laughs> no, he goes to church, I'm just saying. Only Polk County residents will get that joke. <clears throat> but we exalt ourselves, and how do we do that? By putting other people down. When, when we, we want to feel good about, our, about ourselves, we like to put others down, and that's what this gentleman was doing. We belittle them. He's, he wouldn't even get close to them. We swell up with pride. Oh, look at me. Look how great I am, and... Uh, all the things I've done. I, I, can you see Peter doing this at times as he's following Jesus? Hey, I'm one of the top three looking down the line at the rest of them. And the Bible says pride cometh before the fall. And uh, just be careful. Be careful. God wants us to be humble. But how many, I was raised in uh, West Virginia, and they had this saying and Pastor will mention it once or twice. He'll say, don't smoke, drink, and chew, or run with those who do, or date girls that do. <laughs> that, that's a little that, you know, we, we sort of say, look at me. I haven't done all those things. You know, I, I talk about my own testimony. I was saved out of the muck and mire of sin at age five. But you know what? If I hadn't been saved at age five, no matter how deep that pit is or how much of a history there is, I would still be a sinner that needed Jesus. So thankfully, I was raised out of a pit that, that didn't have a lot of past. <laughs> so how much trouble can a five-year-old get? Well, have you, if you have grandkids, if you forgot how your kids are, you can just look at the grandkids. Proverbs verse 8, 13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Now, but that doesn't mean we step on everybody else to get where we want. The, the haughty gentleman here says, I fast. I, I fast. I fast. And, and then we might say, well, I, I do more than them. I, I pray more. I fast more. We, we try to build ourselves up. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. I think at times we, we put a little too much uh, on the things that we have done. In other words, we, we, works are good. It's good to do good things. But our salvation is in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not what I have done. What I have done is just rewards in heaven. Because there's none righteous. No, not one. So Mr. Spiritual here says, I fast. And, but Jesus said in Matthew 6, 16, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. Don't they disfigure their faces? They want everybody to know they're fasting. He said, do it in secret. And then we say we pray I, I pray every morning. I pray for an hour and a half every morning, and everybody should know. No, no one should know. The Bible says, when you pray, go in your closet and pray. Because God who sees in secret 
people here. So if we're doing it, and let me just talk about our worship around here. Folks that come down and worship the Lord aren't saying, hey, look at me. They're saying, Lord, here I am. So many times we have this imbalance because we're so afraid what everybody else is going to think. You know what? When I'm involved with Jesus, I don't care what anybody else thinks. It's me and Jesus. And I hope that's the way you worship. I hope you have the freedom here to worship the way you desire. If it's get down on your knees, if it's come to an altar, if it's to stand in praise, if it's to run the sanctuary, if it's unto the Lord, it's praise to him. If it's shouting, hey, everybody, look at me, eh, watch out, you might trip over something. But if it's for God, it gives glory and honor to him. He said, I'm a tither. He said, I give, uh, I tithe on all my things. That's great. And then what did Jesus say? Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. We don't give we don't parade our gifts. One, I grew up in a church where there was a lot of debt. And uh, I mean, it was overwhelming. And it wasn't until a, a few years ago that, that they really get out of that debt in this church. But a new pastor came and all the, he didn't know what to do. And he, brought, he bought two new wheelbarrows. And he rolled them down to the front. They took the offering up in wheelbarrows. I won't name the city, but some of you will know what I'm talking about. They, and it, I, I sort of like the way we're doing the offering now because nobody knows. But so that offering that was in those wheelbarrows, that, you, the good thing was you put it in envelopes, nobody knows how much it is because we're not praying around. This is how much I gave. But that should not be a place where we, we point to God. God, I give you my tithe. You know what I know about tithing? And that is, when I give of the Lord of my income, when I give him a percentage, I'm saying, Lord, I recognize that it comes from you. The 100% that I get, none of it's mine anyway. And Lord, I return a portion of that to you in thanks for anything that I have. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So we don't do it so men will say, oh, I know how much they gave this month. And it's, Lord, I give it to you. Because I recognize if, if it, everything I have is yours. The example in the Bible about giving was the, a lady with the, the widow with a little, a few pennies. We'll just put it in our currency, maybe half a penny. <laughs> and everybody was given these big gifts and she dropped those two little coins in and Jesus said she gave more than anyone here because she gave out of sacrifice. I was thinking the other day, someone was uh, in need. I, I saw them and I felt impressed to give them something. And, and then God just said, you know what? You'll never miss that out of your wallet. You know, some of us guys, we tuck a little bit, you know, behind so the grandkids can't see it. 
or wives. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and I, I felt impressed to give that. And the Lord just told me, you're not going to miss it. The next paycheck, you'll get something. You'll put a little more back in there. We give as God prompts us. We give because it's all his anyway. You know, the good thing is God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And if our heart is tied to that money, he doesn't have our heart. Okay. This wasn't supposed to be a sermon on tithing, but we get to the tax collector. And he seems to be the bad guy in this story, right? All he did was stand off by himself. He didn't draw attention to himself. And he said, here I am, Lord, forgive me. Here I am. We sang a song this morning uh, about gratitude. I have nothing to give you, Lord, but a hallelujah. Because what do we have to offer God? <laughs> he made everything, so anything I have is his anyway. All we have, all he desires is our praise. All we have to offer is our praise. So then as we, we look, I want you to go to chapter 19. So Jesus teaches about this prideful man and this, this tax collector. And then we get to Luke chapter 19. And this story just jumped out at me. And it reminded me of a song we sang in kids' church way back in the day. All right, you'll know when I start the verse. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when he saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. We'll pause the story right there. He just talked about a, a tax collector, and here, the very next chapter, we see a story about a tax collector named Zacchaeus. But we all remember him because he was short, couldn't see Jesus, and had to climb a tree. How many remember the song you sang? In kids? Okay, uh, we could sing it. If I wouldn't mess up the lyrics, I'd probably sing that song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Lord he wanted to see. And as a tree said, Zacchaeus, you down from there. Going to your house today. Going to. So for many of us, that's the story, right? A wee little man. I don't know what the proper terminology would be today, but. Someone of short stature, vertically, 
Vertically challenged. Vertically challenged. <laughs> uh, I am horizontally unchallenged, I'm just going to say. <laughs> y'all, y'all get that in a minute. <laughs> but, that, but look at this story, all right? I mean, we, we hear the story, we sing, we sing about this little man that climbed up in the tree to see Jesus, but what is the story here? He was a chief tax collector, wealthy. His wealth came from charging people a little extra in the taxes because that's how they made their money. All right, so the Roman government would say, we require this amount per person a year. The tax collector, to earn his pay and livelihood, would charge a little more. So for Zacchaeus to be pretty rich, a very wealthy man, he charged a little more. And so he was making quite a bit of money on everybody else. That's why the man in the previous chapter was saying, I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector. I'm cheating. He's cheating everybody. And I'm sure, and it's a parable I know, but it had to ring true with somebody there Jesus was speaking to. All right, let's move on. It says that he had a desire, verse 3, and he sought to see Jesus, to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He had a heart to know God. He had a heart. He had heard about Jesus and said, I want to know who this is. I want to see him. It wasn't that he was just short of stature and had to get to a tree to see him. He had a desire to meet Jesus. Now, he wanted to see him. I'm sure the stories were rolling through. I know they didn't have CNN and all those Fox News and all those others, but people were telling, hey, he's, he healed blind Bartimaeus just in the previous chapter. He's done all these things, and man, the news starts going. He's like, I want to see this guy. He must have some power. So he had a desire to see Jesus. He needed to find a way despite his shortcomings. I'm here all night. All right. So he found a way to Jesus. By climbing a tree. There's so many that we won't go out of our way at all to meet with Jesus. I'm just going to, I made you laugh, now I'm going to step on some toes, all right? If, if things get uncomfortable, hmm, man, if, we, if I have to pray every day, do I, do I really have to pray? Do I need to read my Bible? Man, what's that about? You know, we, we stumble over what God desires, communion with him. God desires a, a life that is just dedicated to him. And we stumble over all these things that say, it doesn't please me. But here's a, a man saying, you know what? I'm, I got to see him. 
So he makes his way, finds Jesus, and Jesus doesn't miss it. He sees him. He says, come down, buddy. I want to go to your house. Have you ever invited yourself over to somebody's house? I've had people do that to me. <laughs> You, you just, that's, that's why we, you try to keep a house clean because you never know who might pop in, right? Ver, let's go back to chapter 19, verse 8. Jesus is calling him. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to save, seek and save that which was lost. So when he met Jesus and he called him to himself and and we can get into the religious crowd saying, "Look, look who he's fellowshipping with, look who he's eating with, all these things. Immediately, Zacchaeus has a, a come-to-Jesus moment where he said, you know what, if I've cheated anybody, I'm not just going to pay them back. I'm going to pay them back four times what I've taken. To me, that's surrender. He's saying, Lord, <laughs> and it doesn't say it here, but I, I read between the lines. He, it was like, okay, he's an open book. When we meet with Jesus, when you come down to an altar or you're in communion with him, man, it's like our heart is open. And you know God sees right through whatever facade we put on in front of everybody else. And we say, okay, <laughs> all right, Lord, if I've, if I've done anything. Now, this wasn't a bargain to get something out of God. Some of us bargain for we're, we're going through a problem or a trial and we try to make that bargain with God. Okay, God, if you get me out of this, I'll pay more. If you do this, I'll... No, he was like, Lord, I'm, I see your God. I am going to give it all back. You know he made his money. Probably. It's a, look in verse 8. I give half of my goods to the poor. His life is turning around. I have taken, if I have taken anything by false accusation, I restore it. In other words, if I have cheated somebody, I'm going to give it back fourfold. That's salvation. Salvation has come to his heart. So many times we, we, want, we want people to, to come to Jesus and know him, but they have to be the one to surrender it all. We can't make them surrender, but we can show them who Jesus is in you and me and show them the way in our own life. And I'm going to tell you, whoever Zacchaeus was paying back these things, when he did it, it was a testimony to Jesus where he had to say, you know what? I've cheated you. I'm sorry. I made false accusation. I'm going to pay you back. Remember what Jesus told his disciples. Well, let's go back to verse 9. 
Go back to chapter 18 in verse 28. Said so then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parent or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. In other words, Jesus is saying, Listen, you gave it up here, I'm going to reward you. You'll see some of it here, but the greatest is to come. We live in a world, if you watch any news at all, a fallen world, a world that seems chaotic, a world that I, I pray more and more every day for my kids and my grandkids because of the way the world's going, right? But God said, if you... Surrender it all to me. I will give back to you. It's not about us either. But he said he would give it back to us. That he would reward us. That he would return to us those things we've given up. Jesus said if you've given up your house, your parents, your brothers, your wife, your children. In other words, you've had to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. He's talking to the disciples and those following him. Because they left it all. They left their, their livelihoods to follow Jesus. And eventually, they gave up their life for the gospel. If I read my Bible correctly, only one lived a long life. That was John. The rest were martyrs for the gospel. Now, we're not signing up for martyrdom today. <laughs> but that's the kind of surrender that Jesus knew was headed their way. And he said, listen, I will give back more so. So here we have Zacchaeus going after God with all he, he has, a tax collector. The one in the previous chapter used as an, in, as an illustration of how we are to really humble ourselves and approach God. And this wee little man showed us what it is to make restoration with God. So here's some takeaways from this story. Be thankful for what you have and not envious of what others have. There are, that, that's sort of, I know it's a commandment, don't covet your neighbor and all his things, Right? That's sort of where America is, where we want, we have some, we have great things here in America, but we always want more. We have a, I don't remember the, the moment when TVs went from just, I have a color TV to, I have a 50, 60, 70 inch uh, I remember the day when plasma came out and all these others and like, man, pick one, right? It, there are people around the world that they don't even have TV. My, we were trying to relate to my grandson with my parents that when they were growing up, there was no TV. And I remember staying at my dad's uh, parents' house while they were on a trip. We had three channels if you held the antenna just right. 
and you had to get up and walk over and turn the knob to find the right station. My eight-year-old grandson gets, sits on the couch in my house and says, Alexa, go to so-and-so. <laughs> we have so much. We have a world around us that needs the Savior. I'm not saying give it up and let's just sell it all. And, but what I am saying, let's prioritize what's important in our life. And if, that, if, if all that stuff is more priority than our God and our family, then we've got things out of, our priorities are not in line. They need to be in line. But be thankful for what you have and don't worry what everybody else has. You don't need a brand new car. Now, if you're constantly having it towed in for repair, maybe. <laughs> but so many times we, anyway, I'll, I'll quit that. Be humble and fear the Lord. We talked about humility in Sunday school today. And in Numbers, it in the scripture, there was a parenthetical statement that said, and Moses was the most humble person. Um, and you know Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So the commentary I read about that was, he didn't write that. That's why it was in parentheses, because they believe Joshua helped him. And he, he had to have slipped that in, because there's no way a humble person would allow that statement to be said about them, Right? But I tell you, God wants us to humble ourselves. Don't think too much of ourselves, but surrender to him. Be humble. Fear the Lord. Number three, do God's work effectively enough that he is exalted and no one else gets the glory. When we do it as under the Lord, he should receive the glory. Now, people will compliment you or thank you, etc. But don't do it for man's praise. If you're looking for a pat on the back, I like pastor's statement. There's, it's just a few inches from the kick in the seat. <laughs> but we do it as under the Lord. I've said this many times. I think we're going to be surprised in heaven when God's passing out rewards who is first in line or who gets the biggest crown. I think it'll be people we don't even know what they've done for the kingdom of God. And just my opinion, I think intercessors are going to be in that, in that front. <laughs> but... Because we would say, you know, Billy Graham's up there and this evangelist and this one, that, that thousands have come. But then you have some person we don't know. And I always think about the lady that, that maybe taught Billy Graham in Sunday school or one of these obscure people out there that gave their all, just like the widow gave her might. Everybody else had this big offering and Jesus pointed her out. I think that's the way it's going to be in heaven. So don't think of yourselves more than you ought, but give everything you have to Jesus. Give 100% to the Lord. Some say give 110. We can only give 100. That's our limit, but 
Give it all to him. Remember where Jesus brought you from and don't despise those still there. Pastor referred to this this morning in his sermon. Remember where Jesus has brought you and don't despise others that are still coming out of it. We pray for them, we help them, we love them through. Man, I, thankfully in my life, people didn't come to me and tell me everything I was doing wrong and how bad I was. No, they came along and supported me and helped me and taught me and trained me and showed me a little better. <laughs> helped me a little more. And that's what we're to do, come alongside others. Some of you have been some places that you can help others out of that pit. I think the fear for many people is we don't want to admit we're in a pit. We don't, how can I say it? We're so afraid people are going to look down at us, we don't really get help to get out. So if you're dealing with sin, if you're dealing with something that just weighs on you, weighs on you, don't keep it in. Share it with somebody. And folks, if somebody shares that with you, don't condemn them. Help them through. Pray with them. Because to tell them they're in a bad place is like throwing fuel on the fire. But say, you know what? I'm here. We're going to walk through this together. Some of the hardest things I've done as a minister is help folks out of really ugly situations. It's tough. But you know what? It, Jesus uses us. To, that's what he did. Where did he find himself? He found him with tax collectors and sinners. That's when they would talk about him because he was helping them out. They're like, you shouldn't even be around them. And he said, that's who I came for. And that's who God wants to send to us, to you and I, so we can lift them up and help them out. And finally, your work for Christ here is not for your resume. Your work here is for his glory. All glory and praise unto him. God is worth, worthy of it all. God is desiring it all. So I want to go back to the parable. And the tax collector standing afar off would not as much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A sinner. 